Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Colin McDuff and I'm delighted to be your host this evening. A fine Sunday evening it is. Um, a wee bit of sunshine in amongst torrential Caribbean rain. This global warming nonsense, absolute mental. Um, but here to join me to talk about all things Rangers and not the weather. Um, first of all, for the uh, for the deep north, um, they call it. Bill, how are you? Hi, very well, good sir. We even got a touch of sunshine up here in the Arctic Circle today. It was uh, pleasantly warm, which was really nice. I have to say, I'm getting really bored with AFIPBA being on. Just really can't wait for the new season to start. It's, I said this the same as last, uh, same same time last year. Um, when after after Rangers just turning on that season, which set, felt like forever, I couldn't wait for a, a three-month Rangers break and three days in there, I was pulling my hair out, man, honestly. <laughs> um, um, typical football fans were fickle. There's no place in the zizzle. Absolutely. And adding a wee bit of finesse, uh, patter and ultimately some football knowledge, which we sometimes lack in the Gallant Few. It's Shona. How are you? I'm very well, Colin. Thank you very much. Hope everyone's had a good weekend. And uh, yeah, it's just the countdown now, isn't it? Pre-season training started. We're off to Germany. They just can't wait for that first season. Pre-season friendly against Newcastle. Cannot wait, myself. Cannot wait. Um, and, you know, just talk about that itch to get back in there. I don't usually get that excited about the um about the social media posts the players training and all that but it's been that long that i was arguing with my fiance about whether no whether we're doing it or not but where we hang the antonio cholak photo the the cardboard cut exercise i want the living room here i want the bedroom and that's how that's how fucking starved the football i'm but um Hello to all the listeners. If you are equally starved um, from all the football, just a wee shout out to what we've got. It's landed in the pod the last couple of days. Quite a fair bit of content coming your way. Um, yesterday, uh, an interview dropped with the authors of Moments That Could Have Changed Football Forever. That was uh, Peter Prickett and Peter Thornton. Um, a quite a like, sliding doors, um, dystopian take on what could have happened with football. And obviously, they... they answered the age-old question, what would have happened if Rangers and Celtic had joined the EPL? On Friday, Mason and Chris uh, went head-to-head for the Gallant View uh, Summer Quiz champion to see who was the least stupid out of us all, um, hosted by a friend of the board, David Heard. So if you are looking for your um, something to keep you tidying over until Rangers announce some next signing, then you know get them wherever you get your podcast. Um, but into the Rangers preseason, then um, this evening, I think I think we've done the signings to death. Um, like no done it with death, like, but there's only so much you can talk about until you've really seen them in action. And you know, Sean alluded to like we all can't wait for that first friend against Newcastle and seeing what they look like. But until Rangers really do anything else in the transfer window, I think we should divert our, our attention to some players who we haven't moved on yet um, or we don't even know if we will move on because we now do have a fairly healthy squad. We've added six players this summer um, with no one moving out since the end of contracts finished um, the end of last year. Um, So I'll I'll come to both of you for each talking point. Um, uh, Bill, I'll start with you on this one. Alex Lowry. 
Alex Lowry has hailed as a potential, potentially generational talent. Um, he's had his critics about the rumours around his attitude and off-the-field stuff, um, uh, but his defenders will say that he's a young boy. These rumours aren't really founded from anything, and he, just, he, he did go through a, a pretty heavy bereavement as well. The snippets I've seen Alec Lowry, both the B team and the and in the first team, suggesting me that he does add something different to this squad. He's not there in tokenism. Having said all that, he's probably in the most heavily contested area of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Tom Lawrence is still looking back. Yanis Hadji, we've got Sam Lammers, we've got Todd Cantwell and Kieran who can both play in that position as well. What does this season look like for Alec Lowry? Grim, isn't it? You know, if you think about all those players that you've just mentioned, it's if you're Alex Lowry, you're sitting thinking, Jesus, that is grim. I like Alex Lowry. I think, you know, watching him, there's been real flashes of brilliance from him that you think if he gets 15, 20 games next season, he might be able to show us some real clever moments and make a real contribution. And I think now is his time, you know, next season. He's not a child anymore. He is, 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 is fully grown as you get to be when you're starting out in your football career, I suppose. And I think next season has got to be the season for him. He's got to try and get 15 or 20 appearances under his belt and really make his mark in this Rangers team. He's not really done it so far, but when you consider the number of appearances that he's had, that's not really surprising. Um, but I just wonder if the lack of appearances might be due to the, the rumours about attitude and all of that, or if it's maybe the successive managers, whether it's been Beal or Gio before him, maybe didn't trust him, I don't know. But I think, you know, if he doesn't get 15 or 20 games this season under his belt, he's probably going to have to think about is his future actually at Rangers because I, I don't think he can go another season just sitting on the bench. You know, it's not going to do him any favours. If he's, he's obviously seems to be part of Beal's plan so far because, you know, there hasn't been any rumours about moving him on, whether it's to sell him or a loan deal. So, you know, it's, it seems as if he must be part of Bill's plans, but I just don't know how big a part. And I really hope for his sake and for Rangers' sake, you know, that he can actually get a decent number of belts under his uh, games under his belt and actually show us some good stuff. A massive thank you to Teddy Bears there, um, a, a loyal listener. He's, he's been listening since day one. Um, he's just gifted four memberships to the um, a pound a month tier. Um, always really takes me aback when people are willing to like, support the podcast. So thank you, Teddy. Um, Shona, the, I know you, you touched on it a couple of weeks ago when you and I were last on together, actually, about this might be the season that Alec Lowry goes out on loan. And... I've been against I've been against loan moves for the only reason that we never really get any success from them, if we're being honest. But maybe that's just because the players haven't been good enough. Um, if we're being honest, I do think Alex Lowry is good enough. Do you still think that he'll potentially go out on loan this year? I just think his chances this year are going to be very, very limited. I hope that he does get his... 20 games or 20 plus games this year and proves himself because I do think this is a make or break season for Alex Lowry. I think if he gets those 20 games, he's got to take his opportunity. I think as well, a lot of these players have got to be taking their opportunity. Um, but I actually think he might benefit at his age right now. Going out on loan 
even for six months or something like that, just to be able to see what he can do. And I mean, I'm talking like another maybe club, a uh, club within our league. I think he might benefit maybe in like a hips or in a, in a hearts or somebody that's a bit more attacking, even Aberdeen or something like that that they maybe might benefit from. So I just think his chances this year could be very limited. I think there's a player in there. I just think that the last three years that's been three managers now, and they've all not really fancied him uh, for what other reason. So look, it's make or break for Alex Lowry this year. I think. Um, there's definitely a player in there, but he needs to take his chances when he gets it. Aye, and, and I do have a degree of sympathy for him because I, I'm not, I don't really prescribe to the fact that any young player who's 17, 18, 19, if they're good enough, they'll make it in any team. Um, so just because Rangers were doing, like, Rangers were shite last year, <laughs> there's no, no way to dress it up. Um like, if they can't get a game in that Rangers team, then when can they get a game? I'm actually the other end when the best young players come through when there's a successful team around them and there's a, a winning mentality around them. It's very, it's, it's a lot of pressure for somebody like Alex Lowry. And Rangers fans were expecting this at times last year when we are, you know, two nothing down to Ajax or Lowry's on the bench bring him on. That's not the game to throw him. That's too much pressure to expect him to come on when he's had very limited game time to come on and, and be that player. We want him to grow into that player, but it has to start somewhere. So I think if he does grow out in loan, it uh, um, absolutely has to be minimum SPFL top five level, maybe even English cha- Championship. I don't know. Um, but I, I think you're right. Either way, he has to get regular football this year because he is now turning 20. And this is, I don't want to see him going down the, the same line as Josh McPake, who he's still tied down to Rangers, but he's he's just been loan spell after loan spell. And he, he's no, no clubs really want to touch him at this point. Um, I thought Josh McPake had a big future ahead of him, but he just didn't take those chances when he got them for whatever reason. So let's hope Lowry doesn't fall into the same. The same mould. Um, before we move on, um, a massive thank you to Brian as well, um, who's just gifted uh, four memberships as well. Man, fucking hell! Like in the absence of Rangers, we really are like replacing that we love tonight. Um, so thank you, listeners, as always. Uh, Shona, we'll start with you then. Like sticking in that midfield, almost number ten role. I'm going to be a wee bit biased with this. I have been a long term admirer of Yanis Hadji. Um I, I, I think the what this guy can do with a ball, um, the vision he has, he's both footed. Very much, he, he doesn't have the pace, but if he, if he had pace, he wouldn't be the Rangers that age old. I think he's showed the right aggression, the right temperament. Um, I just love everything he does and I appreciate he's not going to play 90 minutes for 60 games, but I think he is an option to bring something different. I know I'm not um I'm not an overwhelming majority um, when it comes to Yanis Aji, a lot of people would say, you know, like just sell him on, free up the wages, we've got better players in front of him. Where do you land in this? Oh, I love Haji. And ever since you said that uh, comment, uh, was it Ibrox baby, it's just different. Like you just fall in love with the guy and obviously when he scored the goal towards the end of last season, you, honestly I was nearly in tears myself just watching that. Um, I do. I honestly do believe that he's one of the best guys that can pick a pass. Can absolutely pick a pass out. That's no doubt about it. Like you said, relaxing pace. I'm just not sure now with the amount of players that we are bringing in. 
and the height and what the obviously Beale's brought in Lammers, you've got Dill, you've got uh, Cantwell, you've got Lawrence, you've got Seema, you've got Sakala, all these players. Um, it's going to be very difficult for Hadji. Uh, the only good thing is, is that I do think that whatever happens with Hadji, we're always going to get our money back on him anyway. So if he doesn't leave in this transfer window, and at least maybe in, in January or whatever, I, I do think that obviously we're going to get money back out from him. I, I, if we were, I wouldn't mind like a loan to buy. I think I said that in a previous podcast. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, I just don't know where he stands now under Bill's kind of uh, system with all the players that we're bringing in. But he is one of those ones where he totally gets it here. We're always going to get our money back on him. So look, I don't think Hadji would be my first one out the door uh, right now. But like I said, if we do get decent money for him, I think it would be very hard for us to turn it down. I know, and, and Bill, that's probably my fear um, as um, chairman of the Yanis Hadji RSE um, Supporters Club. Um, we run the bus uh, from from, from the bank if anybody's interested. Um, we we do we do need to take value for money when it comes in. No player is unsellable um, this year. Um, that's where we are as a club. I think he is one of our more sellable assets. And back to that point we made about Alex Lowry, it's a heavily congested um, position right now with a lot of options. And that is my fear that he does grow. And don't get me wrong, you know, I'll I'll take, I'll maybe take the two months off the pod. Um, I'll maybe chuck my work here, like if he does grow. But I will understand it in the end. Where, what do you see happening with Haji? <laughs> uh, I, I said on the, the podcast last week, uh, I don't understand why Yanis Hadji is such a divisive figure among Rangers fans. Uh, I fell in love with Yanis Hadji that night when uh, we came back for 2 0 down against Braga, you know, with Sean Halladid to Ibrox, baby. Um, you know, just everything that he did and everything that he's, he's done since when I watched it, I just think he's a fantastic player. Can, you know, totally shred a defence apart with a single pass. Um, I know that there's this thing about, oh, he doesn't have any pace. Um, I, I actually think he's looked faster since he came back for his injury in the few games that he got towards the end of last season. Um, he seemed to be faster than the Hadji that I remember. But I, I don't think he's that much slower than the rest of the guys around him. Um, so I, I really I don't understand where all this negativity towards Hadji comes from. I just think he's an absolutely brilliant player. You're right, he's probably one of our biggest saleable assets. Um, and one of the questions, therefore, maybe has to be, do you play him this season? Hopefully his value will go up and then try and move him on next summer, perhaps, for some more money. Uh, but it's thinking about where does he fit in in Bill's system. You know, like you said, that's already a heavily congested area of the park. We already talked about Lowry. And... You know, he's competing directly for a position in some games, perhaps, with guys like Todd Cantwell. You know, we, we all love Todd Cantwell, and I, I think it's great to have that option for possibly having two of them in the team, or, you know, one or the other, or whatever, and one's on the bench. But I think a player like Giannis Hadji, you know, if if Cantwell's to be the main man in that spot next season, and Hadji maybe only gets a handful, maybe 10 games, something like that, is he going to want to stick around for that? You know, so he's probably been having conversations with Beal about 
what is going to be his role next season. And either he'll get the assurance that, he, yes, he is part of the manager's plans or there'll be that look to move him on. Um, like with so many other players, it's interesting. You know, there's been a couple of rumours swirling about, but nothing particularly concrete. And I would have thought at the stage that we're at in the transfer window, already have been brought in so many players that we'd have had one or two at least moved on in a concrete sense. Hadji's been one of the main ones that there's been some rumours about. I think there was Italy and Turkey and bizarrely Aberdeen. Uh, which I, I, I really don't see. There's um, a chance of me signing for Aberdeen and Janus Asagi. I'll tell you that, I don't know. I think you'd be all right. You'd improve their squad, I think. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's 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 a bit of a weird one and we're, we're not getting that many rumours, but he's been one of the main ones. So, again, I'd be, you know, pretty... I, I wouldn't be inconsolable if he left, but I'd be really worried and annoyed that we'd passed up a real talent who sort of will go and have this amazing career. Uh, you know, could have done that at Rangers. But, you know, ultimately, we've, we've got a glut of midfielders and, you know, Michael Beale's going to have to make those types of tough decisions. And I don't envy him that, by the way. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next season, whether we've still got him here or not. Second way, were you building? Well, um alternate who are coming first. Um, moving further ahead is pitching. Probably two players that I want to speak about in, in tandem is Antonio Cholak and Kemar Roof. Um, I, I think the fact that we're ad- we've added Dessels and we've made it publicly known that we're in the market for another striker. Do you see one of these players growing? And if so, who? Uh I was sort of minded that both of them might leave this summer. Um, I don't know that Cholak necessarily fits in with the, the style that Michael Beale wants to play. And for me, you know, like I, I love Antonio Cholak. He's a proven goal scorer. He, he knows where the goals are. And it would be my instinct, if I was Rangers manager, to build a team around a guy like Antonio Cholak that can score goals. Obviously, I'm no Rangers manager. That's probably a good thing. But, you know, if, if it was up to me, I'd be keeping him and, and looking to have him the main man. But I do probably think that he'll move on this summer. Uh, if he is here next season, I think he'll probably only play a bit part role. I don't think he'll be the main man, given, you know, the, the players that we're bringing in and the fact that we're already looking to bring in another striker. Roof is an interesting one. I think Kimar Roof is by far and away the best striker in the SPL, if he's fit. But he's no fit. He's never fit. He's no had this, conundrum um, there if he's fit. Yes. Uh, he's, he's had this operation now. Um, and, you know, for what I gather, I'm, I'm not really a social media person, uh, but for what I gather, for what other people tell me about social media is that he's in a very positive frame of mind about next season and talking about how he's, uh, you know, this will be him over the hump with this injury and all of that. Whether that's true remains to be seen. Um, you know, if, if we had a fully fit Kamar Roof next season, it would be absolutely devastating in the SPL. Absolutely devastating, you know. But I, I just, I, I can't see it. Um, will he be part of Beale's plans if he's fully fit is the question, though. I, I don't know because we've not really seen any evidence either way. You know, he, he wasn't really fit for pretty much the majority of Beale's tenure last season. So it's difficult to say. If I, th- I think, you know, the, there possibly is a place for him in that lineup, but 
Whether or not Bale wants to keep him around, I really don't know. Roof's already booked in for his next three ops. He's thinking ahead. Yeah, there you go. Right, can I put a bit well, of well, well said, well said. Um, Shona, I, I totally agree with Bill with that. There's, there's very few footballers in the country um, better than Kamal Roof on his day. Um, I think, for me, we do need to account for him this season because nobody is going to take a punt on the wages he's on um, with with his injury record, so nobody's really come in for him with a year left in his deal. So what we do need to try and plan for him. And if he has um, an option, then I think he will slot in very well, either up front or from the right, number 10. I think Bill would do wonders with him um, as an option in his squad. I think for me, the more interesting one is Antonio Cholak because... He is a penalty box striker, and it's no something that Bill tends to play away. Um, Bill Ball, we've seen under Gerard, and I know he's slightly adapted it since. We never really liked playing with a poacher. We needed much more of a link up play. And while Cholak has tried to adapt his game, he's never going to he's never going to be a natural at it. So I think that is a question mark for me. Yeah, I think it's going to be a struggle for Cholak under Bill this year. I think he's going to find it very limited. I think he would choose Ruth over Cholak any day of the week. I think we've now spent £4.5 million pounds on Dacers. I think he said a few months back when he was saying that he was looking for the striker. I believe that was Dacers. I think he was looking at him for a long, long time and he's finally got his man. Uh, what was interesting to see that he's not been given a squad number. Did you notice that? So he obviously, I don't know if he fancies him as the number nine. Um, and Cholak is obviously got the number nine shirt. So I noticed that he doesn't have a squad number yet. So I think there is must be something coming down there, I think, um, with Cholak. But look, I really like Cholak. Um, I think it's we've always been quite harsh on him as well with the season that we've just had. I just find that, that under Beal's system, he's looking for a bit more uh, pressing on the ball, somebody that's going to be able to hold it up better, link up, play better, basically an upgrade on Morelos. I think he's looking for that kind of player yeah. that's an upgrade on Morelos. And I just don't think Cholak offers, offers that um, when it comes to maybe like Europa League or Champions League. But look, he is bringing in players that are maybe are obviously an upgrade in what we've got. And if we put balls in the box, Cholak will definitely score those balls in the box. But as an all-round player, I don't think that's what Bill is looking for. Um, as much as that. He's a handsome man, isn't he, Cholak? So, uh, look, I think a lot of even the guys will be gutted to see him go. But I think if we can get a bit of money for him, because I do think out of between Ruth and Cholak, we're more likely to get more money back on Cholak at this moment in time. So, uh, look, it all depends if we're going to bring in another striker, because I think um, I'd be quite happy with Cholak, Ruth, Indesers, and obviously Lammers is kind of plays that role as well. And you can obviously you've got Seema that can play maybe as a striker. So I'd be quite happy with those and obviously Sakala. But if we do bring in another striker, that for me tells me that it's a cheery old for a tool like. I don't know what you guys think, but that's that's what I think. I, I, for me, I think we need to set up before cycles going into this year. And that, that we can fall into the same tap that we've done for the last four or five years where we fit our full attack and play around, around certain one man. Um, what we've done with Morelos and this isn't the, the podcast to go on whether that was right or wrong or no but I don't think we've got the squad um, to, to do that now um, 
I think we do need to be able to adapt to different styles of play and different types of strikers will help you do that. So I think um, I think if we get one more in, uh, potentially that will give you Dessers, Roof, Cholak and A and other. Um, but I think, as Teddy Bear said, I think Cholak has his price. If we get the right price from, then he'll go. Um, no one in the squad is indispensable, but I think he's probably further down the... He's probably further up the list of players we'd look to move on if we were if we were wanting to Well I think pre-season as well, I think that'll give us a rough idea, and obviously it's pre-season we'll be trying out different things but I can't see us going with two strikers up front during pre-season, so it'll be interesting to see who Beal starts and who comes off um, as much as possible between the three of them, because um, I think that'll give us a good idea as to who fancies is number one and maybe number two Aye, we've got about 42 number 10s, so I think we'll be playing a couple of them instead of um, two strikers. But uh, sticking with you, Shona, um, there's probably three players that I want to discuss in this next section. And we are taking it very much position by position because I think it's... I, I think you need to bring in the context with all the players that are there. Scott Wright, Rabi Matondo and Fashion Sakala. Um, uh, it's hardly a front three that's going to be fitting in um, at the new camp, but it's um, three three players who all have a certain amount of qualities. However, they are all they all share the, the same trait of being very inconsistent. Um, where do you see these three? Um, do you think all three of them will move on? Do you think there's a place for for, for either of them? I don't think all three will move on because I don't actually think we're going to sell all three. That's my, that's our thing. We haven't had any bids coming for any players yet. So, look, if we can get any money for Scott Wright, I think it's time for him to move on now. Um, look, he does help with the Scottish quota when it comes to the obviously Europa League and obviously Champions League that will be going into these qualifiers. But I think it's about time now. He's got limited chances the last last season. I can't really see him getting into the team at the moment. Uh, and look for Sakala. Oh, I thought Sakala had a great season last year. His numbers were really, really good. I think he really needs to take a step up this year. Um, I think with the amount of competition that's right about him, the height that's coming in as well, there's a lot of like physical high, uh, tall players coming in, especially down the wings. It's going to be difficult. I know Sakala's quite good with his, his in the air with his headers, but I think he's got to take a massive step up. Um, look, if we got money for Sakala and we'd be able to get our money back or even more, I think I think would be a, would be wrong for us not to knock that kind of money back if we can get like in a a Danilo or even like a Maja or somebody else in for that, that kind of type of money. Um, look, at the end of the day, we all love Sakala, don't we? we? How can you say a bad word about the guy? Like this, the song that we've got for him as well, he loves it here. Uh, but look, I think we can, we've got to get rid of this kind of sentimental kind of value with what we have with these players, and I think if we bought decent money for them. Look, I think I think we can move on. But don't get me wrong, I think Sakala would be great for coming off the bench. I do think he's that kind of guy that's great, really good if you're looking for another goal and come off the bench. Because he's always going to give you 100%, isn't he, in every game. But I think if we got a decent offer, because eh, there was like a few English clubs that were kind of sniffing about Sakala, weren't they? So eh, he'll be another one that'll be off to the African Cup of Nations as well. So... Look, uh, that's another thing we can obviously talk about when it comes to it sooner down the line. Um, and obviously, if 
Danilo comes in, that he'll be part of that kind of African Cup of Nations as well, wouldn't he? So, um, but no, um, I, I, I really like Sakala. I thought his numbers were great last year. I thought he, honestly, I don't even know what we'd have done without him at times. But uh, like, if money's right, I think we've got to kind of move on from these players, and we can get three to four or five million for Sakala. I, I would take it. I mean, I think the song itself is well way worth about. Four and a half million. Um, Shona, I'll be, I'll be honest. That's we should be absolutely including that in the package. Um, that he comes with a ready-made chant to rock the terraces. Um, Bill, for for me, I, I spoke time and time again about last season that Fashion Sakala was a regular starter for Rangers, and that was just due to circumstance rather than talent. Um, I do have a lot of time for Sakala, but. I said he eventually has to move into the short right rule where he plays a bit part because if we're serious about title challenges, I think we need players who can do it more in a more consistent basis than the likes of Fashion Sakala or Scott Wright. I think there is talent there in both of them. For me, Sakala's consistency, right? It's that I think the jersey's too heavy for him. Um, so I think there's maybe, out of those three that we mentioned, Matondo as well, I think there's maybe space for one of them in the squad with the amount of players we're coming in. I don't... I, I, I wouldn't be too fussed either way what one that is, because as long as we get the right money for the other two. Hi. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I think you're, you're maybe right that there's only space for one of the three. Uh, for me, I think it has to be Sakala because just on the basis of numbers, you know, he's he's proven himself a lot more than the other two have, but I think if it is Sakala, again, you're right, it's it's going to be that sort of bit part role. Shona, you talked about Sakala needing to take a step up next season, and I think where he needs to step up is with consistency, you know, because how <laughs> many times have we cursed him? And, you know, equally, how many times have we gone, oh, that was brilliant. If you look at fashion Sakala, you know, he's, he's got some real attributes going for him. Um, like the, the games against that lot last season, he absolutely ran their fullbacks ragged at times. You know, he's, he's just sometimes his movement, he's running all of that. But a lot of the time in that sort of final third, when he gets the ball at his feet, he'll kind of kick it and run with and chase it. And occasionally will do something really good, but more often than not, he'll run with and lose it or run it out of play or fire a shot into Rosette, you know. So if he takes that step up, it's got to be about consistency and it's about his decision-making, you know, and I don't know how you coach that into a player. Uh, Rabi Matondo, I, I don't know I don't know what is going on with Rabi Matondo. He looked really impressive in pre-season, but you can never really judge anything in pre-season. But when he did actually play last season, he didn't look too clever at all, unimpressive. He sort of looked, you know... The last couple of times that he played towards the end of last season, he had some impressive touches, made some nice moves and things, but nothing there as far as I'm concerned that would justify him being here next season. So I'd be in favour of moving him on. Scott Wright, I, I really like Scott Wright as a player. Um, I think he's done some some really good stuff in a Rangers jersey. Uh, again, it's it's about that consistency because he gets into the sort of the final third and Sometimes it's it's just poor decision making, um, you know. But I, I I remember sort of being converted 
to Scott Wright, the, the game we played against Leipzig at Ibrox, I thought he was absolutely terrific in that game, you know. And I don't know if what you're saying is maybe right, Colin, it's about the weight of the shirt with the guy. Maybe, maybe that's all that it is. Um, so, you know, I, I think if he was to move on this season, this, this pre-season, I wouldn't be upset about it. I'd say, OK, I, if, if you're talking out of the three and we're only keeping one, I think it's got to be Fashion Sakala. The best description I've heard to face Scott Wright was for Davey Pollock on the pod, and it was with me because it was the last match moment. He said, If Scott Wright had the swagger of Scott Arfield, then we've got a, a, a 25 goal a season winger. And you spot on, it's how many times have we seen Scott Wright win the ball back, have a very lovely interchange with the midfield, get to the byline, and realize, Fuck, I'm close to the goal, and then just panic. Um, it, it's so frustrating, and all three of these players are frustrating for the same way. But Alex Kelly, very, <laughs> it was, it was very accurate and spot on. We called me out with um, he's calling me in Facebook since the card far better numbers than Morelos and Kent put together. And I think we do need to recognize that with fashion together. Mm-hmm. While I think he got game time through circumstance. He probably did take the most of the opportunity for the, the Rangers squad last season. Um, so I think I if it was going to be. I don't think uh, Kent has helped the Sakala situation because am I not right in saying that Sakala is a left winger? So he's obviously he's never really had an opportunity to play out in the left wing, has he? He's always came out from the right. So look, I think I feel sorry for him in that sense that. Kent kind of stole his position for a while. It was it obviously Kent was like it was undroppable at times. Yeah, I, I thought. But like, um, sorry, Sean, I carry on. No, when you go film this. No, I, I actually thought. Um, I just I, I remembered um, seeing an interview with Fashion Sakala, and I think Gio was still the boss at that time, and he was talking about how he felt like he was a natural centre forward. And that was his position, but he couldn't get into the team. So he was having to play wide left or wide right. But maybe I've maybe I've got that wrong. For me, I think Fashion Sakala's worst games came under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst when he was fixed to a position, whether whether that was out wide right or straight forward. Um, he doesn't have a discipline for it. Where he he came into his own was under Michael Beale, where there was a fluid, fluid, fucking easy for me to say, fluidity to the team and the formation where players were encouraged to swap and interchange positions. I mean, I don't think all of that was down to the football intelligence. Um, I think a lot of that was just fashion. So, was a very gut instinct player. He will go where his gut tells him. He, like, he gets his goals when he acts an instinct, when he has too much time, time to think about it, he messes up. So I think, I do think there's probably a role for him there, but I don't really know if he knows his best position. I think just somewhere in about the opposition half, that's probably where he'll tend to do <laughs> most of his damage and he'll go there. So moving back a wee bit then, um Sean, I'll come to you first here. And again, it's another another couple of players we've got to talk about as a as a duo. Um Ryan Jack and John Lundstrom. So I think there are probably different questions here. With Ryan Jack, he's had the one year extension. And I, I think with that, we've all said there's probably an element of 
being homegrown, Scottish born, trained in Scotland, he fills that quota there. Um, but also in a very similar position um, on the park, we've got John Lundstrom, who again is probably one of the more sellable assets. I think John Lundstrom polarises the support a lot more than what Ryan Jack does. Um, I think Ryan Jack has probably came out of syndrome just when he's fit, if he's fit, etc. etc. Suppose that my question to you is does John Lundstrom stay? And if he does, how much game time do both him and Jack get this season? Um, do you do you think we need to add anything more in that number eight position? Well, I think uh, the two of them obviously are going to be quite like I don't know. Lindstrom is one of these guys who can play in a number of positions, can't he? So I think that kind of suits Beal that he can obviously, if if, if we don't all bring in another centre back, uh, and we're happy with what we've got, Lindstrom can obviously play as a centre back if we have to. The very very behind up having injuries, so I I like the likes of Lindstrom. I think it like he just got the what was it, a marine kind of. Uh, Luke test and then the Luke test, he was like up toward like the marine level. So, like he's obviously trying his very best to get back in. I thought last year he was poor at times, especially like there was times where Jack, there was a couple of mistakes that Jack made that nearly cost us a few goals as well. So, look, I think um, Jack for me would not be able to play two games in a week. Um, I don't think we play on plastic pitches either. I think it'll be about monitoring him, but I do believe that Jack's probably better than Lindstrom. I think he is the main main guy in our midfield. Uh, play both of them kind of play kind of slightly different to each other. I would say, I think uh, Lundstrom's a bit more physical. Probably would like to play a bit more further forward than the likes of Jack. Jack kind of sweeps up your position at the back, kind of like a Raskin. Um, but I don't, I don't believe that uh, both of them two will be playing every single week. Uh, I think it'll be earlier. Your, your if Sifuentes comes in, I would, I would imagine Sifuentes or Raskin will both start with that other uh, position up for grabs. So look, they both have um, a place in the team. I, I think that I think obviously Jack is really, really here for the Scottish quota. I think that's mainly why we why had him on a, an, an extra year. I think we couldn't really lose that, and obviously we didn't know if we were bringing in any midfielders this this transfer window. So for me, I think they both of them stay. Um, I've heard rumours as well that Lindstrom will be given a new contract. I don't know if you guys have heard the same. So if he's given a new contract then look fair enough but like all these players have, have got a value and if somebody comes in with a decent bid for the likes of Lundstrom I can see him going as well so um, look we'll just wait and see what Bill's got uh, planned for pre-season I think that'll give us a good idea in some of these friendlies to maybe the first look I know he'll be chopping and changing between tactics but I still think he'll kind of go with the same, same core in midfield maybe switch it up one or two positions but for me, I don't think Jack will be playing two games in a week. Um, if It depends, obviously, who we're playing, but I think um, we just need to manage him as much as we can with the injuries that he gets. Uh, it's similar to Ruth, isn't it, with the amount of injuries that Ruth gets? So I think it's about how we manage these players. Um, and we'll see if we'll get a good stead from, from the first couple of pre-season games. But um, I think they both will stay. Bill, I... For me, I think kind of the wider question on midfield. I think if we can replace Glenn Kamara with Jose Cifuentes, we don't need to do any more business in midfield because I, I think our core is already there and Nico Rashin, Todd Cantwell. We we can't just rely on those two players, but we do need 
we, we do need reinforcements, but that's why we've got the likes of Kieran Dill, who can maybe be an option for Campbell, Tom Lawrence as well. For Nico Rashin, we, we do have the likes of Jack and Linsome, but I think if we talk about a core, and I do agree with what Shona says, it'll be Rashin and Campbell, and in, in the middle, you'll maybe have one of three players, which could be Sifuentes, Jack, or Linsome, depending on availability, match fitness, and the type of game we play. That's my long-winded way of saying that I, I, I do want to, I, I do want to see Lonesome stay. Uh, I do think he has add value, and I know it's been a, a running battle between me and David Tomlinson, and the listeners think I choose back Lonesome to piss David T off, but I do think he can offer as a different option. He's same, or I see him as the same position of as Jack, but plays plays it in a different way. Um, you know, and we do need we need horses for courses. So for me, I I would maybe like to see both Jack and Lonesome get 20 to 25 games next season um, with maybe somebody else like Sifuen is coming in. It's an interesting one. I think what you said is right. Jack and Lundstrom probably both play the same position in a different way. The thing that, you know, I, I notice a lot is that there's a lot of the safe pass, especially the Lundstrom. It's, it's pick the ball up, turn and pass it back the way a lot of the time. And, you know, Nico Raskan, he's the main man as far as I'm concerned, in that sort of zone, right? And can't well further forward. And what what else goes on round about there is, is maybe up for grabs. Um, but, do you know, I just think, see, against a lot of the dross that we play week in, week out, do we need guys like John Lundstrom or Ryan Jack actually in the team? Guys that are only setting up attacking moves and driving the team forward. You know, because I know, like at times, Lindstrom looks as if he does do stuff like that, but it's not really his game. His his game is sort of shielding the defence a bit more and playing the simple passes and all of that. Where I think John Lindstrom can offer us a lot is actually in Europe, or indeed maybe against the other lot. You know, when we're playing better opposition who are going to come and have a go at us, I I think Lindstrom's got a lot to offer. Uh, and he plays a centre back. Uh, I don't really know. Um, I, I don't think it's worked particularly well for us when he's tried as part of a back two. But actually, when he was dropping in as part of a back three, you know, if you look at the games against Dortmund, for example, I, I think that worked really well because he could pick the ball up and sort of run, wait and pass it. Um, I would like to see John Lundstrom stay. I like the guy. I think he's got the right attitude. He's He's got a good bit of dig about him um, and a bit of tenacity. What I, I didn't like with John Lundstrom is that, uh, you know, on the, on the road to Seville, he was absolutely fantastic. He was, you know, really was phenomenal. Last season, for the most part, though, he was just absolute dug meat, you know, and we need we need consistency for players. You can't just look great for a few weeks and then look garbage for most of, the, most of the season. Um, as I say, I do like the guy. I like his attitude and his tenacity and would like to keep him around the place. But I debate sort of the need for a John Lindstrom type player in games against, I don't know, St Mirren or whoever, where we've got the vast majority of the play, the, the ball kind of sits with us by default in those games. And we really need players who are a bit more creative, who will drive forward and unpick a defence and manage to create something. And I just don't think John Lindstrom's that player. Ryan Jack, Shona, you kind of touched on the Scotland quota thing. 
And I'm sure there is an element of that. He's obviously got this this year's extension to his contract. But again, you know, similar to John Lundstrom, he's not really instrumental in making attacking moves happen. So a lot of his play is sort of around that pivot type position. And, you know, again, I think that works really well when we're playing against better opposition. But do we really need Ryan Jack involved in games against teams like St Mirren? That would be the question. And for me, I, I don't think we do. I think that's a, a that's an interesting point, Bill. And I, I'm I don't think you're saying that we we don't weigh any hold in midfield. But I think just on that question, as far as I do want to pick up, I'm I think I turned a bit of heat a few times last year in the pod when we set up with John Lundstrom and maybe A and other in the midfield um, at home, Mason Mun, and there is that question to well, why are we doing that. Like, I think football's evolved enough where we do need at least one holding midfielder in every game. I don't think we can get away from that because when we set up against a 10-man defence, we we can't just have nine strikers up standing next to them. We do need, if we want to encourage the full-backs to get involved, which I think we're going to be doing, there is a need for, you know, at least one of them. But I take your point, if we've got Nico Rashin doing that deep-lying anchor, we don't need John Lonson along next to him, but I do think we need one every game. Shona, where I think we we can really use John Lonson and Jack quite well, particularly Lonson, what Bill said, in Europe, give credit, credit where credit's due to Van Bronckhorst. He's probably the only Rangers manager um, over the last four or five years that's been so good at changing the tactics and formation in play during the game. So that that was so valuable in the run to Europe. As, like, I, I can see why Michael Beale might look to do it as well. Start John Lonesome in the middle of the park with two other midfielders. When the j- game changes and calls for three centre halves, put him back and it saves you making a sub. Uh, yeah, I think that's where John Lundstrom comes out in his best, to be honest, when he can drop back into the kind of the back three. But also as well, in Europe last year, I felt like he played far further forward as well. We were scoring quite a few goals, remember, um, in Europe. So, look, I think um, Bill has always said he wants two positions for every... He wants two players for every position in, in the team. And I think between Raskin, Jack and Lundstrom... They kind of cover that. I think obviously you got your Lundstrom and maybe Sifuentes are a bit more kind of want to play further forward. So maybe that's the two positions that maybe I would say obviously Sifuentes would probably be your first starter. Maybe obviously that we're talking about building up this guy because say, I don't know about you, but this, this transfer is taking far too long to get over the line as far as I'm concerned. So look, I think if Sifuentes comes in and then you've got Raskin in midfield and then you've got your Cantwell. And obviously the the positions that they fight for up front, I think you'll find it'll be there'll be the rotation between Sifuentes and Lundstrom and Raskin and Jack. And that's where I can kind of see those kind of players rotating between each other because I can't see Jack playing every single game um, of the season next year. I think with um, we need to really manage his injury. So look, I think um, if uh, Raskin was to get injured, that's who would come in to replace Raskin. Um, and we'll kind of flip between the two. Uh, so, look, I, that's where I kind of see it going from with with, Jack, uh, with John Lundstrom, is maybe him playing a bit more kind of further forward this season. I think last year we were having to play him in all different types of roles and we're having to play him in this kind of defensive kind of position before Raskin came in. And it just didn't suit him at all. I think, obviously, when we go into that back three, he's so, he's so much more better on the ball, isn't he, as well? So, the way he picks up the ball... Um, but like you said, he needs to get away from this backward passing 
We need to be forward thinking this year. We need to be taking our chances. Uh, look, we're up. We're going to be up against. It. We have to win the league this year, and I think like we've got to be playing a bit more riskier when we're going further forward. Uh, and I think obviously like Lundstrom will have to put that into his game for this season, is to play more riskier passes going forward, a bit more threatening up front where we can play and get get into the box a wee bit more because he can, he can hit a shot, can't he, from outside the box? Whereas Glenn Kamara was always too scared to hit a ball outside the box. Whereas I don't think Glenn Lundstrom is scared to do that. So like we'll see, we'll see what uh, Bill's got a uh, plan. But I can see those two positions between the uh, Lundstrom. And Sifuentes, that's what they'll be fighting for this year. Aye, hopefully, um, hopefully it's this side of Christmas by the time Sifuentes um, arrives because it's been the longest transfer saga ever. Actually, when I went on that, um, found the, I think I put, put it on the social medias, um, I went on the Charlotte FC podcast to speak about Scott Arfield a few weeks ago, and the, the host, Nick Finelli, he was such a lovely guy, and he was like, you know what? I'll happily come on and talk about Seth Wentz. Once he signed, he pinged me the other day. He's just like, oh, you still want me to come on, call?" And he must have thought I was taking the piss. I was like, it's just not happened yet, Nick. It's just not happened. Um, so, aye, for, for my sake, I heard, just I heard, it's close. Heard, it's, heard it's close, though. I heard it's not around, it's around 1.2 million pounds that we'll have to pay for him. So, look, I heard it's very, very close. I expect that to get announced this week um, with the first pre-season friendly um, in just over a week's time. So, look, we could be waiting here till Christmas, so we shall see. Aye, I mean, it feels... It, I've heard everybody say it's close, but it feels like Jordan Ross are returning close. That's the kind of times you know, it's feeling, man. But hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, so, so Bill, um, I've said there that I don't... That's probably... Seth Wentz is probably the only bit of business in midfield I'm, I'm really hoping to get. And then I think that's us there with midfield. Maybe another attacker or two. I'm probably I'm going to open up the conversation with the defence. Um, for me, I, I'm quite comfortable with the defence. Um, I would just like anybody to go. Anybody who goes, we replace them for like for like. Um, I think if you look at the the recognised centre halves, you've got Davis, King, Goldson, and. Dujon Sterling. Dujon Sterling can also play right back um, to cover James Tavenier right back alongside Adam Devine. And then you've got Red Van Yelmaz and Borna Barisic. I think we've got enough depth and enough cover there. Just on um, uh, Dujon Sterling, um, we've seen uh, the rumours that he's done his ACL, but there's a lot of counter rumours, if you like, saying that there's an issue with his passport and David Thomason, um, our man on the continent, is saying that he's been seen at the passport office. So, um, you know, <laughs> if the man in Germany says it happened, then he's just got some some immigration issues. Um, so hopefully it's not um, the good old Rangers ACL. But, Bill, um, Ben Davis is one that we are all talking about. about you know, I think the rumour we with him doing a swap for Jonathan Panzo, Ego, in North Forest. That's probably the only one I would like to upgrade, but I don't think I'd I be gutted if he stayed. I think we've got some good options in defence, and I know people are going to jump in the Tavernier one, but Dujon Sterling is an option at right-back, somebody good enough to push Tavernier. How are you feeling about the, the back line? I'm pretty content. Um, you, you left it, John Souter, if you're Fucking hell, I knew I was missing one. I knew I was missing one. Jesus. You know, I was. The, the question was actually on my lips as you started talking about defence. The question was on my lips about, you know, 
who's your preferred centre back pairing next season? Because for me, it's I actually think it's Goldson and Suter. Ah, um, yes. I I don't. You know that this time last year and going into the start of last season, I was a big fan of Ben Davis, but just I think. I just don't think the way that we play football suits him as a defender. Um, it's not to say he's not a good defender. I just don't think he's a good fit at Rangers and in this team. I think John Souter is a much better fit. I really like John Souter. Um, the the downside, I'm going to say this without any real evidence that it's the case. It's just my feeling is that the downside is John Souter might not be fit for a whole season given injury worries in the past and the fact that we're Rangers and that's what we seem to take to players. Um, so for that point of view, obviously we need to have at least one good backup centre-half. And, you know, I think I think we having Leon King there and the, the boy Sterling provided his ACL as they busted, then, you know, I think we might be okay if Davies was to move on and I potentially bring in someone. But I don't think they necessarily need to be sort of... Um, you know, if we bring in another defender at this point, I don't think they need to be somebody that would be looking to start every week. I, I really think that, you know, between Suter and Goldson, that's my preferred pairing at centre-back next season. Uh, it, as for left-back and right-back, I think we'll be absolutely fine. Um, I know there's rumours about uh, Stephen Gerrard wanting Tavernier to go to Saudi Arabia. don't think I see it happening, to be honest. Uh, and at left back, I, I I'm still even to this day a committed fan of Borna Barisic. I know he has his he has his moments and he's he's very much a confidence player and all of that. But I I still back Barisic in that role, and I really like Red Van Yelm as I'm excited by him. Um, I do recall kind of around about the time that he signed for Rangers, watching or listening to a Turkish football podcast where the guy was talking about he's the most exciting prospect in Turkish football for a generation and all of this, you know, so I'm really excited by Yilmaz and I think, you know, in the season to come, he'll probably be the main man at left-back. Overall, i absolutely content with the defence. I don't think we really need to do much if nobody goes. Just on that point you made about Tavernier going to Saudi Arabia, like it's... I don't want to waste too much time talking about the mainstream media, but fuck me, man, that's a waste of wage, isn't it? An absolute steal of wage. Every time a every time a manager goes to a club, you just Google who's the last players that he worked with and say, "Oh, he's right. signing him," because the <laughs> the journals down south are doing the same. They've got Portchurch, Mind Z, Aston Villa player, man. Jesus Christ, man! If that's what you call work, then. Pff, I know. I thought it makes me think. It makes me think I'm in the wrong job myself. You know, when I see really just I laziness. That's all it is. Exactly. And this type of analysis is free, and they get fucking paid for it. There you go. Um, sure. Uh, it's a fad anyway. I think this Saudi Arabia thing's going to be a fad. I think it'll let look. They're wanting. Is it by 2030 or something like that? They wanted to try and be in the Champions League and all this sort of thing, but. I just think that that's Chinese Super League all over again. There was a lot of players that were going out to that Chinese Super League, wasn't there? And the guy Hulk and a few others that were out there. But like, say, uh, I think it's just a bit of a fad. This thing, like, they've got plenty of money out there, but the standard has to be pretty poor, I would imagine. And uh, if, um, I, I can't even be able to see them on TV either. If you if you'd watched me on the podcast last week, you'd have caught a real dose of how strongly I feel about the Saudi League and 
the fact that they're just trying to buy fit. But I like that you mentioned 2030, Shona. Hopefully, by then, electric cars have tipped the balance and those bastards don't have any money left. <laughs> I know. But between now and 2030, if any um, Saudi um, media consortium do want to sponsor the Gallant Few for full coverage, um, you know, if we want to give us 100 grand a year and we'll cover your lead, then I. <laughs> Come away. Um, I've I've got all the models in the world until some cash is flung my way. Um, <laughs> but Shona, um, Bill kind of touched on it there, and I do want to get you to answer Paul's question. If Goldson isn't fit enough, or even let's take that away, if Goldson is having a poor on the form, who's your first choice in a half with the with the group that we have out of King, Sterling? Davis and Sutter. And who are they just now? And do you think we need to upgrade on those options? Well, I think it's a very good point that Paul makes because uh, we don't really know how fit Goldson is at the moment, do we? We don't know what he's like without this boot. So, look, I'm in the same camp as you, Colin. I, I, look, that one mistake that uh, Ben Davis made was an absolute howler against Celtic. Absolute howler. But also remember him having a great game against, he had that. Uh, was it Jota or even it was Kyogo in his back pocket for one of the games? So, look, at, at, at the end of the day, this boy's an international as well. Ben Davis is an international. Uh, Panzo isn't. Uh, I know he's obviously played for the, the England under 21s, hasn't he? Um, and I think that's how Bill knows him from his Chelsea days. So, look, I think that would be a like for like uh, for the two of them. I, I, I still quite like Ben Davis. I think he's a great passer on the ball. I think he does read the game well. I just think he's not very great near. Now, we brought in a lot of height into our team. So, look, I think this is... Look, last year we were not taking our chances from scoring goals, but we're conceding a lot more goals as well. And I think this is why we're bringing in a lot of players with a lot of height, a lot of physicality as well. So, we're better defensively. These guys can get back in the box and help out. I think um, last year when we had the likes of Raskin, Jack, a lot of these guys are slightly smaller in, in, in stature. I think that probably obviously didn't help. The goals that we were conceding last year as well were, were pretty pretty poor. But look, if um, if Golson is not fit for the start of the season and Sutter is injury prone, I'm a bit concerned because obviously in your left with Ben Davis, obviously the left side are centre back, and then you're bringing on Leon King again. And look, as much as I like Leon King, I think he's going to have a great future. He's also not very tall for his age, so. And he was under a lot of pressure last year, wasn't he, when he was flung in at the deep end at times. So, look, I'd love Leon King to come in and get get a few games this year, I would say, as well. He needs to get the same as like Alex Lowry, 15 to 20 games. But I do not want him to be playing six or seven Premier League games or even, the, or even like Champions League qualifiers in a row this year. That's not a position that we'd really want to be in. Look, we're bringing in a lot of attacking players. We've brought in our midfield. And uh, look, uh, it's going to be difficult. With look, we've got Sterling. We need to see what happens with his as well. That's like it just seems to be we're kind of coming back to where we were this time last year, talking about injuries. So hopefully, I would say we need to have look them all three of them have to be fit from start of the season. If not, I think that uh, it's a time that we start getting rid of the players that we don't need and any money that's been left over. I think we spent about seven and a half million pounds so far on the two players that we brought in. I think everybody else is more or less like I know wages on top of that as well. But uh, seven and a half million, I still think there's room there to bring in another centre back. 
Uh, so we'll have to wait and see who that is. And if Ben Davis leaves, uh, like I'm not too sure I want him to leave. I think uh, he's, he's a valuable asset. I think for him being an internationalist for Wales, I think you could get quite decent money for him. Uh, look, mm, I'm not too sure about this one, to be honest. Uh, we need to have three centre-backs fit for the start of the season. If not, look, this is not going to be ideal. Champions League qualified. We've got a really, really busy August. It's quite frightening, actually, what the amount of games that we've got in August. Look, luckily, we've got four at home. I think we were right in saying we've got four at home, but with these Champions League look, it's going to be tough if we don't have three fit centre-halves. Uh, and and I think I think the point for me is and it might be maybe old school, it might be traditional blah 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 whatever. You're keeping your centre half for the most part, you don't want to be, you don't want to be swapping them. A couple of midfielders and a striker. You do want a spinier team. Um and I think it's no surprise that when Rangers were starting to build up a bit of momentum last season, it was with Golson and Davis getting game time together. I mean yeah, I think you seen it at Liverpool when that was disrupted when Golson went off. We were, <laughs> it was one each when Golson went off and okay, and another six went in. Um but the the point stands where I gotta remember Davis has only been here for one season. You know, I think we're writing them off already. He's only been here for one season. I think, um, like, I would give him another season. I would definitely give Davis another season. Aye. And again, that's back to the initial point. I, I don't think... I, I'm no concerned about the defence at all. I think, if anything, we... With everybody fit and adding Sterling, we've added depth, which is where we struggled with last season defence. And I know some of the last have put in the comments about X, Y and Z mistake. Most mistakes which lead to goals are going to come from the defence. It's the nature of the position. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's bear in mind, I think your worst times were when we were, you know, playing James Sands alongside Leon King. And for, I've said time and time again, I think Leon King's a cracking player. He's just been falling into the deep end at the wrong time. That wasn't the time for him to jumpstart his Rangers career alongside. Golson, Davis and Suter all playing very, very well and keeping clean sheets, that's the time to bleed him in. Um, so hopefully that comes to fruition. Colin, do you think that the defence will be better this year with a solid goalkeeper? With Butlin? Because I noticed the difference when McCory was in goals. There was definitely a, a lot of difference in the defence last, last couple of games when I saw McCory. They were not making the mistakes that they were usually doing under McGregor. I I don't, I see the I see the goalkeeper as one of the defenders. Uh, when you talk about if you play a left back, right back, and two centre halves, I see that as a back five, including the including the goalkeeper. Um, and Bill, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I think having a solid, consistent goalkeeper who can command the box and can catch you the ball too as well will help but I think where we've seen what we've seen Lessie McGregor last year was that commanding aspect and I think Butlin will come in and do that which again gives whether rightly or wrongly it's the emotional part of the game it's into and it's a psychological psychological part of the game where defenders do play in that having that confidence to somebody behind them Aye and uh, commanding the box that's the right term um, you know because like it's one aspect to being a goalkeeper. Alan McGregor was a great shot stopper, but he was never quick at getting off his line. And, you know, obviously in the last couple of seasons, he was very slow getting off his line. And he wouldn't come and punch away crosses or try and catch them or anything like that. He stayed on his line for the most part. 
And you did see a difference where I actually think with McLaughlin as well as McCrory in the team, you did see a difference in how the defence looked. So, you know, will that be giving them more confidence going into the new season once they've got a partnership and you goalkeeper behind them who does command the box, who does come out and punch it, who does shout to them, right, it's mine, I've got it. I, I think it probably will. Um, it's one of these things where it probably takes a little bit of time to, to build that partnership, but I think it will have huge benefits for us, the fact that we'll have a goalkeeper that can command the box, hopefully, you know, and come out and catch the ball or punch it away or whatever. Uh, as to the goals that we were losing last season, you know, there was some real calamitous defending at times. And you're right, you know, mistakes at the back lead to goals. That's what happens. Strikers make a mistake and we don't lose a goal because of it for the most part, you know, so there's no as much focus on that. And I'm no insinuating that Ben Davies makes a huge number of mistakes or he's any worse than anybody else we've got in terms of the number of mistakes because, you know, some of our defending was just shambolic last season. But I think part of the way that we address that is by having a goalkeeper that's going to command the area because we won't lose those goals for set pieces because... You know, if you watch some of those goals last season, teams almost got into this um, habit of just putting a high ball in almost on top of the, the kind of six-yard area, knowing that Alan McGregor wouldn't come for it and their striker could go up and fight for it. So hopefully, you know, that that's something that will be addressed. We need to root some of the other mistakes out at the back, you know, and I think every one of them to a man has been guilty at times of sleeping, no following their man, no picking up the runner, whatever, we need to root some of that out, but I think, you know, the majority of it is actually going to be if we don't concede these daft goals for set pieces, because, you know, you think right back to even when Steven Gerrard was here, and that ridiculous goal we lost in the cup against St. Johnson, where their goalkeeper came up and managed to get his head on the ball, and he, he didn't actually score the goal, it was, he headed it and then somebody else scored, but, you know, you think right back to there, Every time Rangers conceded a corner or a free kick in the last couple of minutes of a game, you're thinking, oh, here we go again. And that, that's, I've been in that sort of mode by default for about two seasons now, and we really need to move away from it. So, yeah, hopefully this uh, arrangement that we're going to have with a keeper that come out and actually tackle the ball and take it on at a corner or a set piece, that's what we want. Well, I think that... You know, that that positive outlook. Um it's not often we get three podders agreeing on um in one thing, but we've all said that the defence is gonna, you know, get the record for uh clean sheets next season. Um, I think we won't go to concede concede six goals. Um but on that happy note, I think that's time to call it a day for this week. Um just a wee shout out to the listeners. Thanks very much. I know um Sundays are a busy night with the podcast. We've got, you know, a lot of great pods. Um, this is Ibrox on the A, even though the Rabble are usually as well. So appreciate everybody who tunes in and watches. Um they really appreciate it and appreciate everybody who subscribes as well. If you can find us a wee like or subscribe or follow, but if you get your pods, if you do like what you see and you want more of it, for a pound a month you can get, you know, up to you know, up to ten shows a week at times, um, including the the five daily news pods um, Monday to Friday. Um, but all that's left to do is thank you, a massive thank you to my two guests who've came on uh, tonight. Um, I'm going to ask you to thank the listeners, say your goodbyes, and answer a question in lieu of a, a match result coming up. I'm going to ask you to predict who's going to be your best signing from the group. We've 
brought in so far. So, first of all, Shona, give us your farewell and your prediction. Well, thanks very much, everyone, for watching. Give us a wee like. And if there's anything else that you want us to discuss, just put in the comments. And this is a tough one. But I think our signing of the season will actually be Dacers. I do. I I'm going to put it out there. I think if he scores 20-plus goals this, this year, then, yeah, I think um, he could be he could be honestly the pinnacle for us this, this, this season. So I'm going with Nice one, and good to have you on as always. Um, Bill, I'll come to you next. Um, Paul McGregor has said Doc Waller will be the best signing. I'll let Paul away with it since he's a listener, but you're not getting away that easy. <laughs> thanks for coming on, and who's going to be the signing of the summer so far? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Colin, and thanks to all the listeners. Um, really do appreciate all the support we get and at times getting it to us tight as well when we absolutely deserve it we we notice it and we appreciate it uh, I was actually going to say Dessers as well I was thinking about that um, and you told me I'm not allowed a cop out because the other person I was thinking was actually Tom Lawrence because he'll be like a new signing um, but on the basis that Sean has already said Dessers I'm going to say Seema uh, might only be here for the season we don't know but yeah he's my guy you know what I do <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say, Butler, because to be fair, you could be the seat another one there. Okay. Oh, Colin's coming in. You've you've stole my thunder, Shona. Uh, <laughs> I do really like the looks of Seaman Dessers and something we've had. We've we've two different options, um, and hopefully they had something that we've no had for a couple of years. But I'm a I'm a great believer in the the Walter Smith ways of building a, a league winning team, and you start from the back. Good strikers will win your games, good goalkeepers will win your leagues and I've got a really good feeling for Jack Butland for the next three to four years that he's he's gonna it's gonna be a hard hard act to follow with Alan McGregor, but I think he's got it in him. So aye, let's not show me up in the first game of preseason now, Jack. Um <laughs> but on that note, thank you very much everybody for listening. It's been a pleasure and we'll speak to you again next time. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.